The section of scripture we are reading this morning is Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Well, the Word of God is speaking to us pretty clearly this morning, and it's good to be with you, church. And we're just going to keep worshiping by looking into what we've just heard. And I want to just start by uh, saying again this week how Jesus' words uh, just impacted me to the core. And what happens uh, when you hear these words, you're hearing... Uh, the master of life, speak about the human condition. You're being confronted with your own heart. Certainly I was. And you're being invited into something really big. You're being invited to uh, a way of being, a way of living, a way of thinking that transcends where we are now and moves us into eternity. And this, these words, Jesus says, you know, my words are spirit and they are life. And that's what we just heard. And it's, it's revolutionary. I remember being on a hillside in Hong Kong 23 years ago and realizing for the first time that there is a king, his name is Jesus, there is a kingdom that never ends. There is a resurrection. There is eternal life. There is a way of walking on planet earth that takes us away from the fear of death, the fear of comparison, the fear of failure, and all the things that we deal with all day and every day and invite us into a completely different way of life. Now, at the time, I worked for Procter & Gamble, and my chief focus and passion and energy in those days was on big ideas, big marketing ideas, big brand ideas, big organizational ideas, and this struck me. This king and his kingdom and eternity struck me as the biggest idea I'd ever heard. And it still is the biggest idea that I've ever heard. And for the past 23 years has consumed my life, my attention, my heart, my passion to go after this Jesus who now this morning is inviting all of us 
into this incredible life. So what we're going to do is we're going to attack this text this morning. We're going to open it up. We're going to ask Jesus to really move uh, by his spirit in our hearts and bring us into that place of eternity. And we're going to ask today that Jesus somehow would speak to each and every one of us that he would be the unrivaled treasure. He would be the unrivaled vision. And he would be the unrivaled masters of our lives. The unrivaled master of our life. And that anything that's in the way of that would be melted away by the Holy Spirit, setting us free to live this eternal life and to walk this eternal life. Are you in? I'm in if you're in. All right. Father, make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. So, just a quick recap. In chapter 5, Jesus is telling us about the kingdom, the kingdom heart, the kingdom father, and he is explaining to us the answers to the two biggest questions of life. Who is truly blessed and what is the very best life that a human being can live? And he's answering those questions with a vision of the kingdom, a manifesto of his kingdom, of the kingdom of God. And that chapter finishes with, be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. And he ties it into a relationship with the father And he invites us into this life. Now in chapter uh, 5, he lays it all out. And we looked at that and it was all about the heart. Now last week, uh, I had my 40th college reunion. So that means that I graduated college in 1978. And here's some of my classmates that were available for this picture. There were actually about 45 of us at the reunion out of a class of 158. And uh, I wore my old college jacket, my Queen's Commerce jacket. Uh, and when I got out of the car, my graduation years on, on the left shoulder, it says 78, you know. So you get out of the car, and I didn't notice this, but I got out of the car, we parked it near the school, we we're walking towards the business school, and we get around the corner, and Marianne says, Dan, it was so funny. There were three girls in their Commerce 22 jackets, and they were pointing at you. And they were going, oh, isn't that sweet? I had no idea I looked so pathetic. And then we, we walk a few blocks further, and they're, they're starting their parties for the homecoming football game. And we walk by, and I hear in the background, those guys were here before the internet. Now, we, we had some deep dive conversations, me and my classmates. I mean, it was good. Hey, don't laugh. It's going to happen to you guys. It's coming. You just, I'm getting you ready for it. Okay. I mean, we, we talked about betrayals, uh, death, uh, cancer. Um, some were writing books, some were building libraries in Ghana, uh, some were 
involved in triathlons and all kinds of crazy stuff. But the common theme was that each of us, in some way, were experiencing the limitations of life under the sun. We were experiencing the limitations of this life. And the last I checked, you know, we're all going to die before Jesus comes back. All right? Or until Jesus comes back. We're all going to die. That's, that's where we're headed. That reality sinks in when you're at your 40th college reunion. As classmates are now gone. And I remember being able to share my hope and my joy with a number of my classmates. And the farther I go on the journey, the more valuable the words of Jesus become to me. The more valuable the invitation we just heard becomes to me. And the more valuable it becomes to share that with other people. And so, uh, now, uh, I, I want to be able to bring hope and joy because I know from experience last week that at least a half a dozen of my classmates really needed it. They really needed it. So that's the kingdom life, guys. That's what we're getting invited into here by Jesus. Now, in chapter 6... Jesus starts looking at the obstacles to enjoying the kingdom life he painted the picture of in chapter 5. And so like a good teacher, he starts to prepare us for what can get in the way of all this wonderful stuff I'm inviting you into. And it turns out there's two primary things that can get in the way. One is building a reputation for yourself and focusing on your reputation, especially a spiritual reputation. And secondly... Creating wealth for yourself or other forms of salvation or, or security that are not from God. And so in the first 18 verses of uh, chapter 6, uh, Jesus unpacked obstacle 1. The lure of seeking a devout religious reputation or the approval of others. And his, uh, his teaching on that was beautifully exposed by Ophir and Donna. Over the last couple weeks, the joy of entering into a life with the Father, the joy of prayer. But, he says, do that in secret. So the key is secrecy in our spiritual disciplines. To not have the disease of the Pharisees. And so do your giving in secret, do your prayer in secret, and do your fasting in secret. And we didn't get a chance to talk about fasting last week. But I just want to say, when you fast, you become aware of your utter dependency on food and the comfort of food. And it wakes you up to your actual dependency on the grace of God. And so I want to encourage you, and uh, we're going to have time in the message here in a bit to give testimonies, but if any of you are being moved by what you've heard in the last several weeks. We're about at the two-thirds point. I'll give you a minute in this message to open up and share. But if you have not tried the joy 
and the discipline of fasting, I encourage you, start with one meal a week, work your way up to one day a week, and you will find a tremendous transformation in your experience of the kingdom of God and of the presence of Christ and of your utter dependency on, on him for your life. And that will bless you. I promise you it will bless you. And as you grow in the discipline of fasting, you'll experience power in prayer and power in life that you, you won't believe but it, it is there and it's available for us as children of God. So with that as being the summary of kind of where we've come from, before I dive into this morning's text, let me open the floor. Does anybody have a testimony to share about how Jesus has been leading you so far? Uh, how maybe you've obeyed? Uh, what God has been doing in your life? And we'll just take a few minutes and see uh, if anyone has... Uh, a story or a testimony they want to share. Yeah. Could you pass that back? There you go. Sorry. Interesting enough, my uh, senior graduate year was 78 also. So that makes us probably about the same age. Um, and uh, two weeks ago, my wife and I uh, uh, took a week off, uh, visited some friends, and I was—I um, uh, read the uh, book on the Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. It intrigued me, and then he spoke on the spirit of the disciplines. And one of the disciplines on solitude, I realized... Uh, I uh, was failing miserably on. Um, He says, if you can't spend a significant amount of time in solitude without your mind wandering off to something else, you haven't spent enough time in solitude. So um, at the same time, I I do, uh, as a, um, uh, at least a profession so far, I do uh, part-time chief financial officer work. And one of my clients, which sometimes happens, uh, was leading to a, full-time position. I get an email while I'm gone. Ray would like to talk to you about transitioning to a full-time CFO. And um, my wife asked me how I felt about that, and I was being challenged by the Lord. And I said, well, to me, it's an easy decision. Um, The only advantage of becoming a a full-time CFO was the money. And along with it, though, it also becomes stress and uh, time away from the Lord, and I don't think that's where the Lord is calling me to be right now. So, so uh, that's my testimony. I think God spoke to me pretty clearly uh, mm. that week. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else? It can be anything to do with the first several weeks, you know, since we've been in this series, because I know... Everybody doesn't process everything at the same speed. So, all right, you're going to have a chance a little bit later in the. Did you have something? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I saw your hand and yeah. it looked uh, hesitant. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I was just going to say, as a lot of people here know, um, Andy and I recently lost Andy's dad, um, Mike, and um, I think. 
just where I've been convicted with the message so far and reflecting back on Mike's life is that he really gave the best to the kingdom. He made lots of money. He was a very, very successful business leader. But even in the seasons where he lost money, he would give it all to the kingdom. And um, yeah, he just, his, his love for the Lord and his love for children unmatched. So I think for us, um, it's hard sometimes because we reflect in uh, his legacy. And um, I think we're challenged that um, really the Lord deserves our best. And Christ sets such a high standard for us because he believes in us. So um, I think our prayer is just to continue on, like in Mike's example, and uh, just continue to bless the kingdom in um, uh, total sacrifice, total devotion, total love to the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for sharing that. Rachel didn't know, but I'm going to mention Mike uh, a little bit later in the message here. And um, I'm also going to open the floor at the end of the message if anybody wants to share anything more. But let's dive into what we heard this morning and we move on. And uh, we're going to spend today and next week under this second obstacle that Jesus talks about, which is uh, the temptation that we would have to create and pursue our own security, our own comfort, our own peace of mind. And Jesus uh, wants us to be schooled in eternal life now, in the kingdom now. And so he's uh, going to tell us that the key to this is to seek first the kingdom. The key is to do what Rachel just said, to make the kingdom first, and the king and his righteousness the number one priority. Now, in order to do that, we got to let go of what we're holding on to, and we have to open our hands to the kingdom. Otherwise, we won't be able to receive what God wants to give us. So today, in this morning's text, Jesus presents us with three choices. And it's quite interesting how he words it, uh, but he basically gives us a choice of two treasures, a choice of two visions, and a choice of two masters. And I want to briefly unpack each, each of those three. He starts with treasure and He's The way he's speaking about earthly treasure and heavenly treasure, he's telling us that one is essentially not going to last, but it's going to be left here and it's going to die with us. The heavenly treasure, on the other hand, is a, is a heavenly treasure that never wears out, never gets eaten by moths or rust or thieves. So it's long-lasting. It's eternal treasure. And so he says that regardless of what your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. That's human nature. We, We pray for the people we're invested in. We pray for the ministries we're invested in. We We focus our attention on the things in life that we're invested in. And that's where our treasure is. So he's saying human nature is to put your heart where your treasure is. So what he's actually saying is that the structure of the human soul, how you are actually wired in your soul, is driven by what your treasure is. And so he says the heart of the matter is to pursue 
heavenly treasure. And also, that's where real intimacy will be. That's where uh, real sharing of treasures will take place. So we all know what earthly treasure looks like in terms of stuff and accomplishments and so on and so forth. For you students here, grades, whatever that might look like, that's over here. Heavenly treasure, eternal treasure, boils down to essentially people. Things that we do by faith to bring people closer to Jesus. Things that we do by faith to invest in kingdom enterprises. Things that we do by faith to bless other people. And those things are eternal treasure. So in a sense, in this congregation, if, you're, if this is home for you, then the children who are saved at the children's homes in Mexico and Nepal that we support are your treasure. And you'll be praying for them. If the villagers in northwest Nigeria who are coming to know Christ uh, are your treasure, then that's where your treasure will be. Your neighbors that you're investing in, inviting to dinner and trying to uh, open up to the scriptures, that's going to be your treasure. David Pawson, who's a well-known Bible teacher in England, uh, is uh, uh, told the story when his father died, he found a book, and it was a, a ledger book, an old-fashioned ledger book, that his father kept. And he had no idea. But in that book were the names of over 12,000 people that he led to Christ in his lifetime that he prayed for individually. He had no clue, but that was his father's treasure. And so Jesus is inviting us to really seek out what is our treasure today. And he's inviting us as we begin a relationship with him, as we deepen our relationship with him, to store up treasure in heaven. We call it the L1233 account. You could also call it the M519 account, a 619 account, but it's this verse about storing up treasure in heaven. And the best way I can visualize this for you is to show you a video that my son made a few years ago. Let's watch this. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Why is he telling them don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth? Because they're not going to last. It's not simply that it's the wrong thing to do. It's the stupid thing to do. But Jesus says, turn it around. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Then if you know me, you're going to heaven. Then every day of your life, if your treasures are in heaven, you're getting closer to your treasures instead of moving away from your treasures. He who spends his life moving away from his treasures has reason to despair. He who spends his life moving toward his treasures has reason to rejoice. This life is just a dot. And from that dot extends a line. And that line is going to go out forever. We all live in the dot. But if we're smart, we're not going to live for the dot. We're going to live for the line with the people of God. God who will live forever. People who will live forever. His word which will live forever. So live your life now 
while you're in the dot, in light of the line, investing in the line, what's going to matter after you die? So, choosing heavenly treasure. Second choice Jesus brings us to is two visions. He talks about the eye. The eye being a lamp to the body, to the soul. And whatever we let into the eye affects us. And he goes on to say that the healthy eye will let in light and the unhealthy eye will bring in darkness. And that word for healthy actually relates to the idea of generosity. And that word unhealthy actually relates to the idea of stinginess. So what he's saying is, if you have a generous worldview, if you are thinking in the abundance of the kingdom of God, you will open your eyes and you will let in light into your soul. If you have a scarcity mentality, if you are storing up treasures for yourself, if you are stingy, then you will be bringing darkness into your soul. And that presents it as a very stark choice. But he's using the two dominant metaphors for our attention. The heart in the first choice that we made. Now the eyes. If you look at through the book of Psalms, fixing my heart or fixing my eyes are the same thing in terms of their focus. That's where our energy and our life comes from, our heart and our eyes. And he's saying, fix your worldview on the abundant mentality and generosity of the never-ending eternal kingdom. And you will be filled full of light. And as Rachel shared, my friend Mike Ellison, who was a part of our congregation, embodied this extremely clearly. He made, as she said, a lot of money and he invested in kingdom ministry all over the world. And not even you won't even know the beginning of it because he did much of it in secret. But at the funeral, my daughter was sitting beside another girl uh, her same age that she doesn't know very well, but they were in high school together. And my daughter testified that Mike Ellison sponsored her on 15 mission trips and gave her a love for worldwide mission. And then the girl next to her said, he put me through college after my father died. And that's just the beginning of what was going on there. Only God knows. But I read Psalm 112 at his funeral because I believe it describes who he is. And I'll just read verses 5 to 8 to you. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. The choice of our vision changes the condition of our soul. And then Jesus moves to the third choice, the choice between two masters, God and money. And uh, last week, uh, we had a a well-known pastor pass on to glory. His name is Eugene Peterson. 
you would know him as the author of the message version of the Bible. Eugene, I think I got a picture of him here, pastored a church about the size of our church. Um, You know that the median-sized church in America is 76 people. If you... That's, that means if you lined up all the churches in the country uh, from the biggest to the smallest, the one in the middle would be 76 people. If you add them all up together and divide all the average, you get 186. And we have 275 here. And Eugene faithfully preached the word to his congregation. And then at the end of his sermons, he would summarize by putting the whole passage into his own words. And that became the message version, first the New Testament, then the book of Psalms and Proverbs, and his friends encouraged him to do the whole Bible. It took him about 12 years, and uh, he finished that project, sold over 25 million copies, and uh, he had no idea what to do with all that money, so he gave it all away. And uh, he's just one of those gems uh, who got this passage in his life. This is how he lived his life. And um, I'm going to read in his honor, I'm going to read the message version of what Rachel read earlier. Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. Stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and where you will end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. A number of years ago, Marianne, in 2000 exactly, Marianne and I signed over all of what we had, all of who we were, and all of what we would ever have, and all of who we would ever become. We signed it over on a little piece of paper. We signed it over to God. And we gave him everything. And total surrender brings incredible freedom. Freedom from fear of dying, fear of getting sick, fear of having big medical bills, fear of whatever it could be, comparison, uh, all the things that work their way into our lives. And if we take these three choices of Jesus and we just have our eyes on eternal treasure, if we have our vision open to the generosity of the kingdom, and if we only have one boss and we make that boss Jesus, then our life will be set free. And we're going to be singing about that in a minute. But that's why on the back of the building, we have painted the last verse from Matthew 11 of the message, which says, keep company with me and I'll teach you how to live freely and lightly. Because that's the benefit of following Jesus's advice. And uh, I love that Eugene Peterson, when he had a chance to translate the Bible, the word Lord... Uh, in his translation, is always translated master. Jesus was his master. May Jesus be our master as we walk through the rest of our days.
And I, I want to just pause there and invite anyone who uh, has had something they want to share, something struck them this morning, something that's on your heart that you want to share. Let's just take a minute and share how might, how might we begin to think about obeying what this text is telling us to do. This morning, uh, we had one person share that they're going to uh, write music to this text as a way to embody that deeply in their spirit. Anybody else have any thoughts? For those of you who are kind of new here, uh, bringing the word into obedience is into action, into application, uh, is our way of obeying uh, James one twenty two, which says, "Don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says." So, um, and if you don't have anything, that's fine. But if somebody wants to share, I want to open the floor. Yeah. Just say your name and how you want to apply this. So, good morning. My name is Nick, and uh, we're the Thompsons. And uh, we got a good treasure, a good gift this week. Uh, We moved to the area on May 1st, and we've been living with some friends in Fort Thomas. And just on Monday, uh, the Lord provided a place for us to stay and to rent. And we were in a lot of prayer and asking around. Um, we weren't quite sure if he wanted us to stay for another round. We're from Washington State. And um, we're really excited to be here. And um, so thank you, everybody who knew and prayed. But um, I know that he has things in store for us here that um, we just um, were excited to find them and unpack them. And um, it's been a really good six months. And there's been a lot of growth in our marriage and our friendship with my my Julianne and our three girls, and so we are—we're um, here, really excited to worship with you guys. And something that we always say around our dinner table when we pray is that our Father always—he um, always gives us what we need and so much more. And so um, this morning we were able to drive from like a home that we're able to rent and have like some space, and uh, we're packing some boxes. And so um, He's given us what we need and so much more this week. So we're really thankful. For that. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, good morning. My name's Mark. Uh, I work as an artist. I left a uh, full time job that was very secure where I always knew what I was going to make, and all of a sudden, I never knew what I was going to make. And I was faced with the possibility of explaining to God why I couldn't tithe, because it was a rough week, and I don't know what I'm going to make next week. And God said, just give. He said, give. I'm just like in a panic. As I'm putting the money in the basket, I'm like, this is not smart. You know, just we tend to give and be generous with our surplus. Mm-hmm. God had to teach me 
how to trust even when there wasn't a surplus. So my act of giving on Sunday, even though it might not have been as big as some of yours, was a huge risk for me, not knowing what I was going to make that week and knowing maybe the last week wasn't very profitable. And I think God wants us with money to not give from our surplus, not give from our comfort, but to trust him. Amen. Amen. Mark, how, Mark, how many, how many weeks has this been going on? Many, many, many. Like years, right? Years. How's it working out so far? It's working out great. <laughs> Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Yeah. Somebody else over here? Go ahead. So I'm Chelsea, and um, I might, I'm a little emotional about this because this has hit my heart. But um, so in our, this is my husband Malcolm too, and in our marriage, whenever we first got married, there was just this faith that we had. And like, we just jumped in. I mean, people thought we were crazy, but like, we got pregnant because, not because, many reasons, but we really trusted and we're hearing from the Lord and we're like, you know, it doesn't all make sense. But we see the fruit. We see what he's doing. And let me tell you what. It was so hard in so many different seasons. But the Lord provided so much. What came to money or where we were staying or anything we ever needed. It was always given. And it, what I saw was happening, now looking back, is that we kind of went up with our faith and trust. And then it kind of plummeted. And I realized, actually, the other day, the Lord was talking to me, and we were, I was sitting with him, and I was thinking, and he showed me, as, as I sit in a house, we have a house. Like, who would have ever thought, first off, we have a house, what? But, like, we, I'm sitting in our house, and I'm like, I need this. Like, I need, like once I have X, Y, and Z, then I can give again. When used to living in our living in my grandma's condo in a one-bedroom with our baby and going through, like, unemployment issues and things that would happen. At that point, I had so much faith and trust, and now I sit and I've been given so much that I don't even need. And I sit and say, well, once I get more. And he showed me how much, when it comes to what we're talking about in scriptures with our eyes and, like, how we're, my eyes are, have been bad. And I'm looking, and I'm like, and it's changed me and my heart. And so what I've learned is that, like, and from this point forward, and actually a couple of days ago moving forward, is that, like, I want to look and see what I've been given and what the Lord's always done in remembering. Like, every day choosing to remember. Whether that's with, like, the tangible things or the things in my heart or all these things. So, yeah, I guess it's a little bit of a testimony and then a little bit of what I'm going to be doing. But, yeah, Amen. God is so good. Good word. Thank you. Thank you. Is there somebody else? Who? Oh, Steve. Okay. There you go, man. This will be our last one. Hi, my name is Stephen. Um, pertaining to what uh, Dennis said in generosity, one of the the, the best and easiest things we can do that doesn't cost a whole lot, um, might cost a little bit of your time, is, is encouragement. 
and it, to people who need it, it's gold. And I just, I really strongly want to encourage you guys to start encouraging others. Um, that's been laid on my heart. I, I'm a Barnabas who has just kind of sat in the seat for a while, and I'm kind of starting to come out of that and kind of thinking how I can do that. So um, I just want you guys to kind of think of that. Not everybody is strong in that, but like somebody said earlier, you know, like if you sit in solitude and it doesn't last long, it's because it's a muscle you haven't practiced. And there are, everybody has a strong suit of, of strengths, but we all can encourage. And mm -hmm. over time, you will get better with that. So, Amen. So. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Yeah, in obedience to an earlier text, um, it was Stephen's idea to write notes to the Rasmussens. And when they got back to a basket full of notes from you guys, they're not here right now. They're at the, heading out to the football game. But they were so encouraged that you guys took the time to write them a note, welcome them back. And uh, it just was worth its weight in gold. So, um, so uh, this morning, we're just going to take the last 10 minutes of the service and we're just going to sit in God's presence. We're going to celebrate communion. The worship team's going to come up. Uh, John uh, 6.51 uh, invites us to feast on Jesus. I don't know if you realize, but when you pray the Lord's Prayer, and I, I love Donna's uh, encouragement last week to have I am statements. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you realize you're a son and daughter of the King because He's our Father. You start to focus on who you are and uh, you also... Uh, begin to see what he's done for us. And so maybe this morning you've, you've gotten a little shaken by these words because your eyes aren't on the right things, your heart's not on the right things. I've got good news for you. As you confess that, Jesus forgives you. Jesus sets you right, and we're going to have communion. See, this entire thing operates by grace. Everything we're talking about operates by the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. When we have communion, we exchange all of our failures and our missed opportunities uh, and our sin, and we get perfect righteousness in return. So we go from minus 100, not to zero, but we go from minus 100 to 100 to plus 100, I mean. So we go right past zero to plus 100. That's what happens at communion. So we're going to have some prayer teams this morning. And, and Jesus said about communion, he said in John 6, 51, I give my flesh for the life of the world. I give my flesh, my body and blood, for the life of the world. So he's inviting us in addition to living for eternity with how we deal with our treasure and our vision, and our who's our real master. But he invites us by grace to receiving forgiveness from all the shortcomings, from all the things that we wish we had done differently. And when we pray, give us our daily bread. Isn't it interesting that he told us to pray that prayer when he is the bread of life? Even when we pray the prayer, the way Jesus taught us to pray, we're actually being taught for him to be our daily bread, to pray for the bread of life. 
And so this morning you'll notice the pieces of bread at communion are bigger uh, because I want you to feast on Jesus this week. I want you to feast on Jesus this week and I want that big old piece of bread to remind you of that. So go ahead and take a big piece of bread and chew it up and remember that you're feasting on Jesus this week because that's what he's invited us into, to just feast on him. So trade everything in for all that he can give us. And you know, he, he's the manna from heaven. That, that's the manna from heaven. He, he's, the one, he's the one who was in the burning bush. He's the one at the top of the mountain who hung out with Moses for 40 days and Moses didn't drink water or eat food for 40 days. That actually happened twice. Moses had to go back up and do it again. Moses spent 80 days without bread or water or any food because he was in the presence of God who is himself life. So when he's present, we have life. That's why fasting is such an amazing privilege because you can be full of life when you're not eating because he's present with you. That's why their clothing didn't wear out in the desert for 40 years. You know, my old leather jacket that's 40 years old, it's actually 44 years old because I got it as a freshman, it's still intact. Now, you can't say that about all my clothes. They wear out. My shoes wear out. But with him, it doesn't wear out. With him, the jar of oil of the widow never, never went empty because he has everything. He has all of life. And so leading into communion, just dwell on that. Dwell on, on Jesus. Feast on Jesus. Feast on his, his boldness, his brilliance, his humility, his love, his presence, his promises, his example, his joy, his justice, his compassion, his insight, his teaching, his power, his authority, his bravery, his life exchanged for yours, his mastery over your heart and over the whole cosmos. There's no one like him, church. There's no one like him. There's no one like him. He is the joy. He is the abundance. He is the treasure. May he be your treasure and your vision and your master in a fresh way as we celebrate communion. So Lord, let your church flood you with praise. And flood us with your presence as we celebrate communion together now. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer teams, you can come up and have communion. And church, the communion table's open when you're ready.